On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Texas takes its first formal step towards legalizing the direct sales of Tesla vehicles and thus also allowing factory deliveries of Cybertrucks from Giga Texas. Plus, Tesla tequila comes back in stock, but only for a brief moment. Elon Musk has a new title at Tesla and more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey here for episode 294 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast for March 21st. I got the date right this time. Did not do that last episode. Yeah, because you can tell I make a copy of my notes from last week, leave the bones in place, and then fill out all the new weekly information. Forgot to update the date last week. Anyway, episode 294 for March 21st. Daisy the Boxer is just sprawled across the couch joining me as always to my left. Uh, And I wanted to start the show by saying a big thank you to the good handful of very kind Model S Plaid Plus reservation holders who reached out to me after I, I brought this up on last week's show. As I had requested, you guys let me know that yes, your order still shows the original $10,000 lower Price after uh, Tesla raised the price on the Plaid Plus uh, last week, which we talked about. Also, uh, which is even better, I forgot that for those of you that reserved the Plaid Plus back around Battery Day when the initial Plaid announcement was made, evidently, I didn't know this, if you placed a Plaid order then, it got converted to a Plaid Plus order, which, I mean, they did, it makes sense because Tesla did say, that back at battery day, it was going to be 500 plus miles. So it does make sense that that would be what it would convert to and not the nearer term regular plaid model. But anyway, if you uh, reserve back then, full self-driving was $2,000 less. And it seems that that price is being honored as well. So good on Tesla. They're honoring the lower FSD price and the lower plaid plus price. I always say that five times fast uh, as they should. They should do that. Tesla's doing the right thing here, and that is good news. All right, on with the Tesla news for the week. Step one of uh, some big news that we, and by we, I mean Tesla enthusiasts, but particularly those of you who are Cybertruck reservation holders, the big news that we have been waiting for, and that is a proposed Texas bill that would allow Tesla to sell vehicles directly to consumers in the Lone Star State. I first saw this reported by Drive Tesla Canada, who pulled it from the Austin American Statesman, which is obviously Austin's major newspaper. The uh, excerpt here, which I'm pulling from Drive Tesla Canada because the Austin American Statesman is behind a paywall. Uh, So... DTC, if I may be so bold as to refer to them as that, writes, the proposed law, House Bill 4379, would recognize EV makers as dealers, allowing them to sell cars directly to buyers. The only caveat is the cars in question must never have been sold in Texas before by third-party franchised dealers. This is as I expected. Uh, Remember, in fact, that... I've been, you know, just waiting for this to become official. 
I was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to ask Elon about this directly at Battery Day, and here is what he said then. Hi, Elon, to your left here in the white Model Y. Ryan McCaffrey from the, from the Ride the Lightning Tesla podcast. Uh, curious about Cybertruck. It was interesting to see where you had it in on the battery technology front. I'm sort of curious what you see for it in the production front. Is its volume, you know, trucks are so popular in America. Do you see its volume equaling the three or the Y in the future? And also, is the, uh, did you, did, were you able to get Tesla is able to legally be sold in Texas as part of the Giga Texas deal. <laughs> um, well, it's hard to say what the volume exactly would be for the Cybertruck. The, the orders are gigantic. So and we have like, I don't know, well over half a million orders. I think maybe six or 600,000. That's a lot, basically. We stopped counting. Um, so I, I think there's probably room for, I don't know, at least like a unit volume of like, 250 to 300,000 a year, maybe more. Um, so uh, now we are designing the Cybertruck to meet the American spec, because if you try to design a, a car to meet the global, the, the, the superset of all global re requirements, it basically, you can't make the Cybertruck. It's impossible. Um, so uh, it it's really is designed for the American market, but this is the biggest market, or North American market is the biggest market for pickup trucks by far, or l large pickup trucks. And then I think for uh, in, we'll probably make an international version of, of the Cybertruck that'll be kind of smaller, you know, kind of like a tight Wolverine package. Um, it'll still be cooler, but it'll be, it'll be smaller because you just can't make a giant truck like that for most markets. Um, so, yeah, but it's going to be great. Uh, and I, I'm, I don't know, I think probably we'll be able to sell directly in Texas. Um, we do pretty well right now, uh, but it is a bit weird not being able to actually conclude a transaction in Texas, but it's got to be like, you know, a click on a server based in California. <laughs> so, um, but weirdly, we can do leasing in Texas, but not s selling. But I, hopefully that'll get cleared up in the future. As you can hear in that clip, he seemed not very worried at all about it then. And as I stated at the time, I was certainly one of many people who believe that a change in this Texas dealership law was probably part of the handshake agreement for Texas landing the Gigafactory, but it couldn't be codified into law until now, which is when the, the Texas legislature is back in session for its every other year lawmaking session. And again, this is, this is only step one, to be fair. Nothing has passed yet, but notice from the description there, uh, this bill seems very specifically tailored, doesn't it? never sold in Texas before by third-party franchise dealers. Now, I realize I'm not quoting the bill specifically there. I'm quoting the write-up, but but yeah, I mean, that's, uh, let's just say, who do we know that fits that criteria? Hmm, it's definitely, it's definitely Tesla. Although, I suppose that this could, if it passes, also pave the way for Rivian and Lucid as well, but it is very clearly, obviously, meant for Tesla. So here's hoping it passes and becomes law so that all of you that want a road trip out to Giga Texas and take factory delivery of your Cybertruck and road trip at home will have the opportunity to do so. Next up this week, Tesla Tequila came back in stock for sale again this week for the first time on a restock. But unfortunately... It lasted about as long as it did the first time. And it's gone.
Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. First, let me apologize because I know I used that same South Park clip recently. It just cracks me up every time, and it's it's the perfect use for that for it on this one. So, uh, by the way, if you haven't seen the South Park vaccination special, highly recommended. Super funny. I love that show. I personally, on a, a quick aside, I think Matt Stone and Trey Parker are two of the most brilliant satirists of of our generation. I, I love everything those guys do. Anyway, uh, yeah, Tesla tequila. So the restock it just appeared on this, this Tesla online shop on Monday. And in fact, a coworker of mine spotted it and slacked me about it. He bought one for himself and I was fortunate enough to get one in the first round. So I just went ahead and tweeted it out to my followers so that any of you out there that might follow me on Twitter might catch it just, you know, just from word of mouth as I did and maybe be able to get your your hands on one of them. And sure enough, it did sell out within an hour or two tops, which is about as long as it lasted the first time. I did get some replies from some of you out there that said you were indeed able to get one after seeing my tweet. So I'm very glad that I could be of use, be helpful for at least a few of you out there. Now, as for the future with Tesla tequila, I don't think we can count on another round coming back into stock in the Tesla store. It's not to say it won't happen. I just don't think we can count on it. So unless Elon and or Tesla very definitively says this will be back in stock at some point, I think it's probably a pretty low chance it's going to get restocked, mostly because Elon had previously responded to people after the first wave that were like, hey, I didn't get it. Uh, and, And he came out and said, okay, well, they're going to sell the lightning bolt bottle and a set of shot glasses, which would not only satisfy the uh, the desire for more people to have it, but uh, it would also get around, well, two things. It would get around the fact that there is, I'm sure, a limited amount of the tequila of the batch that they can, they can actually get because it takes a long time to make. And two, it would get around the legislative restrictions that perhaps some of you may have unfortunately run into that prevents people in certain states and certain countries from ordering the Tesla tequila, even if you manage to catch it on the store while it was still in stock because there are certain laws in certain places that say you can't ship alcohol for whatever reason. And as for the bottle and shot glass set, we still don't know when those will be available. I mean, unfortunately even when that does finally become available, there's no way to know if those will be in a reasonable supply since I I believe, I don't have a tweet in front of me, but I believe Elon has said that the bottles, the you know, the unique lightning bolt shaped bottles aren't easy to make either. I think they're they're hand blown. So, you know, I'll, I'll do my best again to put the word out once, uh, if and when I see any form of it come back up for sale once again. But the bottom line here, there will be another chance to get the bottle. It just may or may not have tequila inside it when that next opportunity does come around. Next up this week, some staffing changes at Tesla to tell you about. First, Jerome Guillen, the president of automotive at Tesla, will now specifically head up a new heavy trucking division. 
Here's the relevant bit from Tesla's SEC 10K filing. It reads, Effective March 11th, 2021, Jerome Guillen, president of automotive of Tesla Incorporated, transitioned to the role of president Tesla Heavy Trucking. Since September of 2018, Mr. Guillen has successfully overseen Tesla's vehicle programs, supply chain, and service infrastructure, and contributed to the development of leaders, organizations, and processes capable of continuing to direct and operate those functions for our passenger vehicle programs. As Tesla prepares to enter the critical heavy trucks market for the first time, Mr. Guillen will now have, pardon me, will now leverage his extensive background in this industry to focus and lead all aspects of the Tesla Semi program, including the related charging and servicing networks. So an allusion there to the mega chargers that are supposed to be rolling out around uh, interstates to, to help quickly refuel the Tesla semis. Now that was also referring, of course, to mentions Jerome's background. Jerome came to Tesla from Daimler and before that Freightliner in both places, heading up their respective semi-truck efforts. So, you know, this is clearly not only a move that Jerome makes for himself enthusiastically, he clearly loves heavy trucking since he's been doing it his whole career, Uh, But since, I mean, he's giving up control of all of the other car groups for this. So that tells me he's very enthusiastic about trucks as well. It also suggests to me that Tesla sees the Tesla Semi as a very, very important part of its future moving forward and not just a little niche side project. Like they are, pardon me, they are taking this very, very seriously and see it as a potentially large part of their business and part of the a large part of the mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy as well. And not only have there been new Tesla Semi prototypes spotted recently, but uh, another sighting this week on social media Tesla by Tesla themselves. Tesla went to the trouble of filming a little promotional video of the Tesla Semi on, uh, and they put it out on their social media channels showing the Tesla Semi just zipping around the the Fremont factory test track, which is an outdoor test track. Funny aside, you may not know this. Uh, this. This is one of those things where it's not in my notes, but I'm just gonna wander off for a second because this reminded me of something. If you weren't aware of this, there's a fun little Tesla fact. In the very beginning of Tesla, 2012, and I don't know when this finally ended, but in the in the early days of Tesla, the test track was indoors. And you can probably guess why. There were two reasons. One, obviously the cars are electric, they are zero emission, and they're quiet, so you can just run them around inside and it doesn't bother anyone's ears or lungs. So that's number one. And number two, in the early days of Tesla, I had the uh, extreme privilege of getting to, to attend the original Tesla Fremont factory open house in October of 2011. And they were just in a little corner of the place. I mean, they, they gave us a tour. Most of it was literal, just dark corridors of nothing. Like you could probably have filmed a a scary movie there, a horror movie. Cause it's just, there would just be areas where it was just pitch black. You know, no, the lights weren't on. Cause why would you, there's nothing over there. 
Um, but yeah, they were just in a little corner of the factory in the initial Model S days. And uh, yeah, they'd, they'd run the, the cars around on an indoor test track, which was always pretty interesting. But eventually, of course, they did move it outside and they shot a Tesla Semi prototype video there, threw it on social media, and you can hear it. It just makes a whirring sound because you can you can kind of hear the electric motors spinning up as, as it whizzes around the track. So that's pretty cool. And what this says to me is that seemingly the Tesla Semi is getting a lot closer to its first deliveries if they're bothering to promote it on social media. Uh, those deliveries, we know, are, as currently stated, due to happen towards the end of this year. So good stuff. Looking to see, looking forward to seeing a lot more of the Tesla Semi. Now, I mentioned staffing changes plural. So here's the rest of that news. Elon Musk and Zach Kirkhorn will no longer simply be CEO and CFO, respectively. Well, I guess that's not entirely true. They're still going to be those things. Don't panic. Elon's still the CEO of Tesla and Zach the CFO. But they've also each added a new title to their to their uh, business cards. Here's the text. I'm just going to read you the text straight from the aforementioned SEC filing. Effective as of March 15th, 2021, the titles of Elon Musk and Zach Kirkhorn have changed to Techno King of Tesla and Master of Coin, respectively. Elon and Zach will also maintain their respective positions as Chief Executive Officer and Chief Financial Officer. Well, just uh, you got to figure Elon being Elon there. That's very much an Elon Musk sense of humor thing to do and and Zach getting in on the fun. My guess here, and I'm basing this off of nothing. I'm inventing a, a cute story here, but... My guess would be that Zach was simply in the room when this topic came up and Elon said that they should do this. And Zach just went along with it and said, "Okay, I'll be the master of coin. And so it was. And that's and now that now it's official. So, as I said, that will look cool on a business card, although I guess I don't know, maybe nobody's going to ever do business cards again because they're physical things that you hand to someone in a pandemic and post pandemic age. But Figuratively speaking, looks great on a business card. All right, next up this week, more movement in India's bid to land a Tesla gigafactory. They are seemingly ready to sweeten the deal to try and lure Tesla to India. This story comes via Teslarati, who writes, India's union transport manager Nitin Gadarki, uh, pardon me, Gadkari, I think I've that's closer to the proper pronunciation. My apologies, I'm... I'll get it uh, as right as I possibly can. Recently extended a bold invitation to electric car maker Tesla, noting that the country is ready to offer robust incentives to ensure low production costs for the EV maker. Godkari went so far as to state that if Tesla commits to producing its electric vehicles in India, its production costs would be lower than its operations in China. The minister's statements were related during an interview with Reuters, where he assured that Tesla's costs in India would be notably low. Quote, rather than assembling in India, they should make the entire product in the country by hiring local vendors. Then we can give higher concessions, 
the government will make sure the production costs for Tesla will be the lowest when compared with the world, even China, when they start manufacturing their cars in India. We will assure that, Gadkari said. So I think a uh, smart move here. Smart move because India's trying to lock this down with Tesla, trying to get Elon's attention. They know, if you've been paying attention, you know that Elon Musk is clearly very pleased with his business arrangement in China thus far. So India name dropping China and saying effectively, we can beat their offer is probably going to get Elon's attention. Uh, you'll remember that the last time, the last we heard about this, te uh, meaning Tesla going to India uh, with a Gigafactory, it was unofficially a done deal. As I noted at the time, unofficially since we had not and still have not heard any word from Tesla themselves yet. This report from Reuters would seem to suggest that it's, it's not a done deal, it's not locked in, but clearly the desire is there on the India leadership side. There's no doubt about that. Uh, personally, I think it's a matter of when, not if, this will happen. So we'll see. Uh, it, it is a potentially massive market to move into for Tesla, and doing so would indeed help noticeably. Just It would really move the needle on advancing Tesla's mission to accelerate the world's transition to sustainable energy. Gosh, you know, if there were ever a Ride the Lightning drinking game, the mention of Daisy would probably have to be part of that drinking game. But uh, echoing the mission statement, I feel like I do that a lot, and maybe I do it too much. Maybe I should tone it down. <laughs> but that would probably have to be part of the Ride the Lightning drinking game as well. Do not drink and drive. That's all. That's all I ask. Next up this week, in fact, the final story I've got for you, Tesla insurance looks set to roll out in three new United States, as well as perhaps some other countries soon, such as Israel, China, and several areas in Europe. One more tip of the cap to Tesla Roddy, who writes, recent upgrades from S&P Global Market Intelligence reveal that Texas and, and Illinois insurance regulators have already approved the rates and policies for Tesla insurance. On the other hand, Washington State has approved the initial forms for the local rollout of Tesla's in-house insurance service. Can you hear that? Daisy is really snoring up a storm over there. Say, hold on. I don't know if that's f close enough to pick up on mic. Anyway, uh, as per a report from Forbes, Tesla is planning to issue its in-house insurance service in Texas through Red Point County Mutual Insurance. In Illinois, Tesla will be partnering with Midvale Indemnity Company, a firm that stands as a subsidiary of American Family Insurance. Filings with Washington regulators from earlier this year note that Tesla is looking to tap Homesite Insurance Company, another American Family Insurance subsidiary, for its in-house insurance rollout in Washington. So if you are in those states and you're either interested in Tesla insurance, perhaps switching to it, or at least price shopping to see if you can get a better deal, uh, either through Tesla or taking Tesla's number back to your current insurance company, keep a close eye on this one. I certainly will. That is my job here at Ride the Lightning. But I think it's, it's just good to see Tesla finally expanding, or at least about to expand, its insurance offering outside of California. Soon enough. Soon enough. 
All right, that's everything I have for you in the Tesla news for this week, but stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls, a lot of interesting discussion topics and questions coming up right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in, ask your questions, bring up your Tesla discussion topics, whatever you want to talk about. Regarding Tesla, this is the place that you can participate in the podcast and you might be heard by everyone on the show. I welcome it. I encourage it. Call in anytime. The two easy ways to do it are one, using your smartphone's built-in voice recording software. Record your question on there. Please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less. And then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take your question, comment, or discussion topic and just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number. You can dial at any time. The number is 1-888-989-8752. One more time, it's 1-888-989-TSLA. And by the way, if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. Mike from Crown Point, Indiana is going to kick us off. Go ahead, Mike. Hey, Ryan. Long-time listener, first-time caller, Mike from Crown Point, Indiana. Listen, I've been listening to your podcast now for some time. Not a Tesla owner, just following along because I plan on jumping in. I put in a pre-order for the Cybertruck at the end of last year. Based on my math, I'm about 1.2 millionth in line on that Cybertruck. I think Tesla's website, when I checked earlier today, said they plan on producing 450,000 a year. Not sure if we really are expecting that many Teslas to... uh to actually be ordered, if anybody's going to cancel their pre-orders or how many will. Uh, also understanding people are likely not taking delivery of the Cybertruck till at least Q4 of 2021. I'm not sure how long it's going to take for me to truly get that Cybertruck. It might be two years, right? It might be three even. Uh, so my question is, I have a 2016 Lincoln MCAX right now. I'm ready to make the jump, go into a Model Y right now. Uh, is there any reason why I or why not I should consider doing this and just wait it out for the Cybertruck? What are your thoughts? Uh, you know, I, I guess I'm looking to be talked out of it because I really want to do it. But maybe you also have some reasons to add on to why I should do it. Again, appreciate all you do. Keep up the good work. Take care. Mike, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate the call. Uh, I love the excitement, but it's tough because... I don't know your financial position and of course, nor is it any of my business, but I will do my best to help you at least maybe make the most informed decision you can. You know your situation best. So first on the Cybertruck, you think you're pretty far back in line, but that might not necessarily be true. If you're ordering the tri-motor, then you're probably going to end up being much closer to the front of the line than you think because Tesla is almost certainly going to prioritize those in the early days. In fact, they've effectively said so 
because their guidance is that dual motor and tri-motor Cybertrucks are going to get built first. And of those, it would not surprise me at all if they load up on tri-motors in the, in the early going. And the single motor truck won't come until at least a year later. So there's that. As for the why, uh, you might want to look at the math. I mean, just a- maybe ask yourself these questions. Is your current car paid off? Is it out of warranty? And if so, what costs do you imagine with that car in the next two to three years? How many miles do you drive now per year? Uh, And how many will you drive a year after the pandemic ends? Let's just say, you know, next year, hopefully things are back to pretty normal. And then what are the gas costs? You know, you do try to do the math on your fuel costs because, you know, fuel maintenance, depending on what those numbers are for you, it could end up making a lot of sense to jump into a Model Y now, maybe even on a lease, potentially. So again, I'm not looking, I'm not in a position to make the decision for you, but I hope some of that helps make an informed decision for yourself. Cole from Mississippi is next. Welcome to the podcast, Cole. Hey, Ryan, this is Cole calling from Mississippi. I'm one of your listeners who has been listening for a while, but doesn't actually own a Tesla. Thankfully, I plan on uh, purchasing one a Model 3 later this year. Uh, I have a a quick question and then a comment I wanted to share with your listeners. So as a question, um, plenty of, of, I'm in Madison, Mississippi, plenty of Teslas driving around here, but I don't actually know anyone uh, that owns a Tesla. Is there a preferred platform or recommended uh, way to get in touch with Tesla owners in my area? And then secondly, a quick comment. I have a, I think it's 2016 Silverado that I purchased maybe two or three years ago. That's what I plan on uh, selling or trading in and uh, using to uh, help purchase my Tesla. I did a a Tesla trade-in quote. I I think I've done it twice now, and they were probably going to give me somewhere around $14,000 or $15,000. I did. I I found out about this thing called Kelly Blue Book Instant Cash Offer. I'm in no way affiliated with them, but I had a good experience I wanted to share. I I went through that process, took my car to our truck to a a qualified dealer in the area, a participating dealer, and they were going to give me $30,000 for the truck. Uh, they were going to write me a check. And so that's what I plan on using. Again, I purchased the vehicle just a couple of years ago, and I think I paid – it was used, but I think I paid $31,000. So considering I can get almost my entire uh, – uh, all of my money back, um, pretty cool. So I wanted to share that with your listeners in case they're interested in, in selling a vehicle uh, to purchase a Tesla. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, Cole. Thanks for calling in. You know, that Kelly Blue Book offer almost sounds too good to be true. You might want to take them up on that. I don't know. I mean, but that, it just that sounds like a great offer. As for connecting with local Tesla owners, you might want to go to teslamotorsclub.com. That is a forum community that, to be clear, is not affiliated with Tesla. But in my humble opinion, it is a great community. I've been, I mean, mostly lurking there. I admit I don't post a ton, but I've had an account there since 2009. Yeah, since I first went down the Tesla rabbit hole. So it's been a great community over the years. Uh, But anyway, if you go, just go to the homepage there, teslamotorsclub.com, scroll down to the TMC community section. And then if you click into the Southeast sub forum from there, you can search around, make a post for yourself. And I bet you will find plenty of other owners nearby you in no time. Congratulations on your imminent Model 3, and I hope you get to call in again from the car at some point as a a happy Tesla owner. Next up is Joe from the UK. Welcome, Joe. 
Hey Ryan, Joe here from England and the UK. We've conversed before actually on your other podcast, so shout out to the Unlock crew, Bam. Uh, but I have a Tesla related question or, or request for help actually. I'm looking to purchase a 2021 Model 3 long range. And my question is, if you have the luxury of not being in a rush for a, for a car and or Tesla, right? And, I, and that's me because of you know, the reduced requirement to travel and, you know, lockdown restrictions, etc. If you can wait, then is there anything I should be looking out for or waiting for right now? I know the price can fluctuate and I'm keeping an eye on that. I know things like full self-driving and speed boost can be added retrospectively. So they kind of don't matter. You know, the new Model S and X has been announced with new hardware, although you were speculating probably one day would be able to upgrade on threes and wise to that hardware extra cost. Is there anything else I should be looking out for, waiting for, or because the Tesla Model 3 has recently refreshed the 2021 version, is now a, a good time to buy? I'd appreciate your opinion on this. Um, thank you for all the information you give us in these podcasts. It's hugely appreciated and love to Daisy the Boxer. Stay safe. Cheers, Ryan. Well, Joe, welcome to this podcast. I appreciate you stopping by and thank you for your call. Well, honestly, there's always something new coming down the pipe with Tesla. But honestly, if it's the Model 3 you're after, then I can really pretty confidently say that now's most likely a really good time precisely because, as you mentioned, the 3 just got its refresh. I don't foresee any big changes or upgrades coming to the Model 3 anytime in the super near-term future. I mean, the, the range seems to trickle up every year as the battery chemistry improves and the software efficiency improves. But generally speaking, this is a great time to get a Model 3. Uh, the, the heat pump, you know, the octovalve has gone into it. I mean, the 4680 cells in the structural pack could be on the, the you know, I mean, I would assume would be on the, uh, the roadmap for the Model 3, but probably not for a while considering that the, as of now, the 3 is only built in Fremont here in the United States, There's whereas the Y is going to be implemented, of course, at Giga Texas. And then in Giga Berlin, they're starting with the Model Y and they're doing the 4680s from the jump there. So, you know, I, I generally think, yes, now is an excellent time relative, you know, in the context of the ever-changing, ever-evolving Tesla universe, now is a great time to get a Model 3. Uh, on this very topic, here's Alex from Charlotte. Let's see what Alex is curious about. Go ahead, Alex. Hello, Ryan. This is Alex in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm calling to confess, because I think this is a safe space, that I'm wrestling with a little bit of FOMO as I am preparing to purchase a Model Y sometime over the next year. And what I mean by that is I'm trying to decide when to purchase and afraid that I might regret the purchase if a major game-changing type of update comes out right after I take delivery. My question for you is, do you see anything on the horizon that will be a game-changer for the Model Y? The two things that come to my mind are, first, the new battery cells, and I'm wondering if that's going to make road trips drastically different with the increased rate of charge. Is this going to take like a 30-minute charge time down to 10 minutes, or is it more like taking a 30-minute charge time down to 25 minutes? And the second is the suspension system. I've heard this as a potential upgrade. I think you spoke about Green the Only's finding back in January. But how big of a difference is that actually going to be? Is it something that you uh, 
would notice only if you looked for or would really improve the ride quality. Thanks, and uh, you've helped to convert a non-car guy into a Tesla enthusiast. Well, Alex, welcome to being a car guy, or at least a Tesla guy. It's fun, trust me. Uh, what's You know, what's funny is that I'm not just playing Joe's call and yours back-to-back on purpose. They, I mean, I am, but your two calls actually came in back-to-back as well. In my email, they were right next to each other. Something in the air, I guess. But uh, I'll tell you, Alex, my answer to you is, in fact, a bit different than what I just said to Joe. You already hit on the big one, the inevitability of the Model Y with the 4680 cells and the structural battery pack. That is definitely happening. We know this. A suspension upgrade may or may not be. That's uh, much foggier. The Y is going to handle a bit better with the structural pack and the, with the cells closer to the center of the car uh, than, than certainly closer than they are now with the 2170 pack just you know more spread out in the battery pan in the skateboard. We don't know yet what the charging profile is going to look like on the 4680s. It might very well be faster. I imagine it will likely be different in some way. Uh, I would say it's highly unlikely that it will be worse in the charging department or, quite frankly, in any department than it is now. You're in Charlotte as well, so you would be getting a Model Y built at Giga Texas because that's they're going to serve the, the eastern half of the, of the United States there with the Model Y. And those Giga Texas builds, as I mentioned that I've talked about before, those are almost certain to be 4680 structural pack builds. So you might have, unlike Joe, who I think should just buy as soon as he's ready, now's a great time, you might have good reason to wait, particularly since you, you know, you said you're not in a hurry. You're not looking, you know, that you're looking to buy in the next year and not necessarily right away. So Alex, I hope that is helpful to you. And next I'm going to move to regular caller, Good friend of the podcast, Lawton from Chicago, regarding Tesla insurance. Go ahead, Lawton. Hi, Ryan. It's Lawton from Chicago. With all the excitement about the expansion of the FSD beta, now might be an appropriate time to discuss an integral topic needed to make full self-driving a reality. That topic is insurance coverage. How do you think insurance companies will address insuring a vehicle when level 4 or 5 Tommy is achieved? Will Tommy require a supplemental insurance policy? Do you think the rates would be higher or lower than human driver rates? If indeed FSD is able to achieve the goal of being better than the average human driver, one would expect their rates to be lower. Tesla having all the real-world safe data, FSD, could spur the adoption and acceptance of Tommy by the general public. They can do this by having Tesla insurance offer significantly lower insurance rates for Thomas vehicles. This would be a win-win for Tesla and its customers alike. Tesla potentially gets more income from insuring its drivers, and drivers get more affordable coverage from either Tesla or traditional insurance companies forced to compete. Best wishes on Daisy's full and speedy recovery. Hope you and Daisy get to visit your favorite walking spot often. Thanks for providing Tesla treat for us all every week. Look forward to your thoughts. Lawton, I will respond to you in just a second here, but I have some breaking news as of while I'm recording this. I'll let you in on a little show secret of mine. As I record... I keep a tab open with Elon's Twitter account <laughs> in case he posts anything while I record because Friday night, he does tend to post a decent bit of stuff on Friday nights for whatever reason. I don't actually know how that would compare to any other night 
because I don't leave his a tab of his open <laughs> every night like this. But I figure while I'm recording, I better keep a keep his an eye on his Twitter feed just in case. And sure enough, he has posted something of note here. So I hope you listen to the Ride the Lightning Hotline segment each week because not only is it nice to hear from your fellow listeners, but occasionally the news part of the show just rides on into this section too. So here's the bit from Elon. Uh, this is relevant. The full self-driving beta button that he promised, just the, you know, he talked about it last week, the overwhelming demand for the beta. People want to try it out. So they're going to just say, you know, all right, just we'll just put a button in so that anybody wants to press the button and it will, you know, you'll agree to all the terms and liabilities and all that stuff and it'll just download the build to your car. So there is an update on that. Elon says, given significant architectural changes, including fundamental improvements to pure vision, uh, which is a reference to the fact that they're switching to an entirely vision-based system, not radar. He says there is limited value to testing any more version eights. You know, they're on Uh, 8.2 right now. So he says, hoping to upload version 9.0 and the button next month, meaning, of course, April. So wanted to pass that along as I am here in the middle of the recording. (laughs) Something interesting came up. Okay, Lawton, thank you, as always, for your calls, my friend. You know, it's fair to wonder if legacy insurance companies are going to have really any viable means with which to deal with level four full self-driving once we get there. Because, you know, while you never know for sure, Tesla is by far, again, I'm a Tesla fanboy, maybe don't take my word for it, but seemingly Tesla is is very much the odds-on favorite to be the first car company to actually make it to level four. I mean, it's it is absolutely a chance for Tesla insurance to fill a market need there if one arises since Tesla obviously has access to your car's logs and can see that you are using the safer than human driving level four FSD, if indeed that it reaches the point uh, where where it is, as Elon has said he wants, significantly safer than human driving. But at the same point, I don't want to necessarily take too much away from these big legacy insurance companies. They are big for a reason. They have a lot of resources, which means they will have the means to adapt to this full self-driving future. It's more of a question of, do they have the will and the organizational capability to do so in a timely manner? So we'll see what happens. But you're right. I hadn't really thought about the insurance side of level four, but when that day comes, yeah, I mean, that will be, uh, it'll be curious to see how the, the automotive, the auto industry, excuse me, the insurance industry responds. Oh my goodness. It is getting late. I need to go to bed soon, but not yet. There are still more fun calls to do and more podcasts to go. Eric from Vermont calls in about the autopilot cameras, the repeater cameras. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, Ryan, this is Eric from Vermont calling in to talk about dirty cameras. Uh, We are still in the dirty camera season, uh, and I see this as an engineering problem that Tesla just hasn't solved yet and could really impact their future robotaxi business. Uh, Here in the Northeast, the roads are pretty dirty about half the year, 
and it, I was cleaning the side repeater and the rear camera is a common activity. Sometimes all it takes is about 15 miles on the highway to make a, the backup camera unusable. And the most important cameras in the front are kept clean by wipers, but you still need the backup camera if you're going to automatically have the car park itself at a supercharger. I did a quick search and saw some camera patents with using fluid and air and heating system and the Formula One dirt track racers use a plastic film that just sort of scrolls across the camera to give it a clean spot. And, you know, Tesla has their laser patent cleaning, but I don't think that's going to cut it. Uh, I just don't know why Tesla's holding back on a camera cleaning solution if the existing fleet of cars is supposed to work as a robotaxi. And then on top of that, you got snow covering the ultrasonic sensors that also paralyzes the FSD features. Uh, what do you think Tesla is going to do uh, about this issue? Thanks again for uh, an, an engaging podcast. Talk to you later. Eric, thanks for your call. Uh, this is one of those educational ones for me. I'm in San Francisco, which basically has no weather, be it hot or cold. And so are many of Tesla's engineers. We know they do winter testing for various systems of the car, but it's clear from your call that this is a very frustrating issue in your area. Uh, I don't know what the solution is, to be honest. The laser wiping things for the windshield, told you about that patent, what, a week or two ago. Uh, I would imagine miniaturizing that down to repeater camera and backup camera capability is probably still some years away. Caveat on that, I know nothing about engineering, so... That's a completely uninformed statement that I just made. I will, how about this for something constructive? Have you tried applying Rain-X to the lenses? I know it's meant for water and not like dirt and grime, but maybe, you know, if it's just wet, that's like wet, mucky, like maybe it would still help. You know, I don't know. Maybe maybe it's worth a shot. At least, uh, at least give it a go. See what happens. Thanks, Eric. Jonathan from Hampshire, England, responding to a caller from one or two shows back. The gentleman, Mike from Sholo, Arizona, who could not get his car into reverse quickly and was unfortunately struck by a, a, an automatic gate that was moving out, if you remember. So here's Jonathan's response to that. Hello, Ryan. This is Jonathan in Hampshire, England, replying to the call for that poor gentleman who could not get his Y in reverse and got it damaged as a result. I had an experience a couple of years ago with my Model X where I went to a supercharger and could not reverse back to the charging point. In that case, I did a reboot by pressing the buttons on the steering wheel and, and holding down the brake pedal and that cleared it up, and I backed up. And the worst thing that happened to me was I caused other people at the supercharger a bit of inconvenience, being stuck in the middle for a couple of minutes. But since then, it's never happened again. So, obviously, it's some sort of software bug which seems to still be in the system. Thank you, Jonathan. Obviously, Mike from Arizona would not have had time to wait for a reboot, which takes, what, 60 seconds or so, while a gate was coming at him. But your point is nevertheless well taken. It's a shame that, that such a thing would happen, really to both of you, at, at such an inopportune time. But thank you uh, certainly for calling in and sharing your similar experience with this. 
John from Sacramento is next. Hey, John. Hi, Ryan. This is John from Sacramento, longtime listener and couple-time caller. And I'm motivated by you and your other callers, as always, but this time in particular to use the idea of turning the tables on thinking to get an answer. Now, for those who don't know, I had a Model S, and I currently have a Perf 3 on. It's been a top more than once. What a subscription FSD might cost. Is it like $99 or $199, more, less, what? Well, I decided to get the answer straight from the Tesla Design Studio by first creating a purchase, then turning it into a lease, and only then checking the FSD option to see what would happen. Cost answer, about $150 a month. Now, okay, I'm probably oversimplifying, but I still think it's a pretty good start. And by the way, I'm a cat person, but I'm still happy for Daisy. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Thank you, John. And hey, Daisy is happy to take well wishes from cat people and dog people alike. Uh, give your cat a scratch for Daisy and I. Although Daisy would, would want to probably uh, <laughs> do more than scratch. She looks at cats like they are lunch. So I, I don't think I don't think Daisy will ever be meeting uh, any cat really officially. But anyway, as to your take on full self-driving subscription pricing, I mean, you never know. You could end up being right. It is possible that the answer has been more or less hiding in plain sight in front of us this whole time. My gut says that $150 a month would still be too good of a deal in order to try and get people to choose that $10,000 lump sum option, which is what Tesla wants. But I suppose we'll find out in another couple of months. Thanks, John. Two more calls this week, and they are related. First, Chris from Orange County. Hey, Ryan, this is Chris from Orange County. I have a comment and question about MCU-1. I have it in my Model X and decided to call in because you had mentioned in the last episode that Tesla is finally doing their early adopters right by issuing a recall. I definitely have the symptoms described, such as the center screen randomly going black, MCU freezing, no sounds like the turn signal or the front and rear sensor warnings while parking, and the best one yet, the car staying on while I'm away. I was actually a 20-minute walk away from my ex one time this happened. I opened the app just to see if sentry mode was on, and to my surprise, all the doors were open. Needless to say, turned that walk back to the car into a run, and when I got there, all the doors were closed, but the car was on, climate running, music going, and no, I didn't have dog mode on. I have video recordings of all this, but the Tesla Service Center rep told me I needed to have an alert that states memory degradation detected. Otherwise, they can't perform the recall on my X. So my only option is to wait until the memory chip in my MCU degrades more and I get the alert or upgrade to MCU2, which the Tesla rep says is not covered by the recall. It's the replacement of the failing memory chip that's covered, which will also eventually fail. On to my question, I'm noticing that I get software updates at least a month after the rest of the fleet. Do you think they are taking this extra month to make sure a software update is stable enough for MCU-1? If this is the case, that's another reason to upgrade to MCU-2. Anyway, love the show. Thanks for taking my call. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Uh, you are in a tough spot for sure, and I feel for you. I don't want to totally take Tesla's side here, but they do need to draw a line somewhere as far as when the recall gets triggered. Where that line is can certainly be up for debate, and I'm sorry to hear that your car is giving you, seemingly giving you all the signs and annoying ones at that of that eventual failure. If you can budget for it, I, again, I've said this a couple times on the show before, I think the upgrade is very worth it. 
But don't take it from me. Take it from a fellow Chris. Everybody love the show. Just uh, responding to one of the callers last week said that if you upgrade uh, an MCU 1 to an MCU 2, you'll lose premium connectivity. Um, as a as an AP1, MCU 1 uh, Model S owner, I my screen went out you know last year, and I took the opportunity to upgrade to the MCU 2. Uh, now that was at the higher price unfortunately, but it was worth every penny. It's like a brand new car with the speed and the added features and all that. Um, the only thing I lost was my AM um, radio. Now that antenna is built into the MCU 1. Uh, they got rid of it in the MCU 2, opting for more streaming options. Um, but I did not lose my premium connectivity. I'm fairly certain that's not a hardware thing at all. That's just an account thing. Uh, so. I don't. I just want to say that's my opinion or my experience. I don't know um, if your pre, your other caller <coughs> had the. I don't. I don't know what happened with theirs or why they lost premium connectivity. But just wanted to pass it along for other people who are thinking about doing the MCU two upgrade. Uh, in my opinion, absolutely worth it. Thanks. All right. In case you're wondering, Chris identified himself in his email, just not his his phone call there. But anyway, uh, Chris, thank you. We ha- indeed have it confirmed that you will not lose your premium connectivity with that upgrade, and I'm really happy to hear that you found the upgrade to be worth the price. And and you say that even after paying uh, the higher price as well, as you noted, which to me is telling for how noticeable and usable the MCU 2 is compared to MCU 1. Thanks to the Chris's. Thanks to everybody that called in this week. Again, I invite you all. I welcome you all to call in. I gave you the instructions and the dial-in number for that at the top of the segment. So refer back to that if indeed you'd like to participate in the Ride the Lightning Hotline. Stick with me, though. I've got some more podcasts for you. I'm going to talk about a little impromptu road trip I had this week, as well as uh, the pro tip of the week as well, coming up right after this. I had an unexpected road trip to Central California to take care of something this week. And so, of course, I stopped it. I had a supercharger stop on the way there, and then I had a supercharger stop on the way back. And I want to say kudos to the San Joaquin Valley Tesla Owners Club. And the reason I say that is because at both the locations I stopped at, which was Manteca on the way there and Patterson on the way back, Uh, Actually, I guess I visited a few just because I was kind of doing some little charges along the way. But those two I'm I'm calling out specifically and and the San Joaquin Valley Tesla Owners Club. There were nice, clean trash cans at both of those supercharger stops with stickers on there, the the club logo and sponsored by. So they're they've placed those trash cans there. They're maintaining those trash cans which I think is great because, you know, superchargers mostly by default don't have any amenities necessarily, whether it's, you know, restrooms or even trash cans. And when you're on the road, you tend to have food wrappers or what have you. And it is nice to be able to dispose of them in a you know proper way. You don't want to litter on the ground. So thank you. I want to say thank you and kudos to the San Joaquin Valley Tesla Owners Club for sponsoring and maintaining the trash cans at some of those superchargers. I don't know how many you guys, how many chargers you guys have done that at, but that is really awesome. 
That's what the Tesla owners clubs, that's what the community is all about. Uh, Now, speaking of superchargers, there's one other little note. There was one other one that I stopped at that I just have to call out because I've never seen this before. And if you have, I'd love to hear from you. If If this exists somewhere else, I'd love to know about it just as an oddity, just as a curiosity. So I was in, uh, I stopped to charge in Fresno. And so I go to the, I'm on the map, you know, I put in, put it in on the car. I'm navigating there off the, off the interstate five, off the freeway and out. And, and at that point, I'm not really looking at the map because I see, I'm just like, okay, where in this shopping center are the chargers? Oh, there they are. I can see them from the street there. There's a target there, uh, which a lot, seemingly a, a growing number of targets have superchargers, which is great. And so I go over there and, and the car UI, what's, what, what happened here, the quick story is the car UI showed that it was a V3. So I'm like, well, yeah, I want that. So I pull up and I, I've got to use the restroom. So I'm not really thinking about the charger. I just, the car said it's V3. I pull up, I plug the cable in and I walk across the parking lot to use the restroom inside Target. And as I'm walking back out towards the car, I take my phone out and I look and I'm like, oh, I wonder what my charging rate is. Oh, it's 148. That's not great for a V3. I, sh- I was down to about, I think, half or less. I forget where I was, but uh, I knew I should have been getting a hard- higher charge rate than that. So I'm like, wait a second. Is this, are these V2s? I didn't even really think about it as I plugged in. Sure enough, I get back to the car. Big, thick, fat supercharger cable. They're V2. So I'm like, the car, the UI is wrong? That doesn't seem right. Then I get in the car, I look at the screen, and it says that I'm not at the supercharger, that I've got two-tenths of a mile, 0.2 miles to go. I'm like, what? Wait a second. And sure enough, so I, I, I go ahead, I unplug the car, and I follow the nav. In the same shopping complex... A 20-second drive, just drive, seriously, just cut across the parking lot to kind of the other side of it, but not even really the, not what you'd picture as, it's not like there were buildings in between, just a little across the parking lot. There's another row of superchargers, and they're V3s. These are the V3s, so I plugged in there and finished my charge. I have never seen two superchargers that are, that are classified as separate superchargers. I mean, they are different banks. They're not all together. They're, you know, they're a 20-second drive or probably a two, three-minute walk apart from each other. But they're right there. You don't have to cross any streets. Like, it is in the same shopping center. I've never seen that. The closest superchargers I knew of, not that I pretend to know we're all, you know, about all the superchargers, but here in California where we are blessed to be uh, to have a plentiful, a large number of superchargers. In San Mateo, there's uh, one on one side of the freeway at a Target, and then there's one on the other side of the freeway uh, at a Whole Foods. And they're both V2s in that case. And they're always both super busy because it's not too far from the airport, and it's just kind of a busy thoroughfare for the, the peninsula. But anyway, I've never... I, I, I'm not, I would be shocked if there are two separate superchargers closer together than this one in Fresno. So if you're ever going through Fresno and you happen to to charge, make sure you're going over to the V3 superchargers, which are not by Target, 
They're over, they're the other ones. They're, <laughs> they're, a, little, they're a little further from the main road that you'll, that you'll turn off of to go into this shopping center. So there you go. I thought that was just a funny little, a little supercharger bit of trivia, I guess, for lack of a better term. All right. Uh, at the, let's see here. What to watch if you're still looking for a, a video recommendation, game recommendation. I want to recommend, actually, I'm just going to do a little quick shameless plug. Dave Lee on investing. That's the YouTube channel. Dave Lee, he runs it. Dave used to run, uh, I, in the early, early days of my podcast, I promoted his weekly Tesla newsletter that he did. He has moved on to YouTube and he does a, he's got, I think like 150 something thousand subscribers. He's got a very good size following and he does a series of conversations and videos that more focused on investing. Now, uh, he invited me on and while we didn't talk about investing, cause that's not really my expertise, we had an absolutely delightful two hour conversation. I thought it would be like, oh, you know, maybe it'll be a half an hour, maybe an hour at the most. We just were talking and talking and he had great questions and topics prepared and we talked Tesla for two hours. So if you're interested, if you can't get enough of me each week, uh, which I mean, I'm a, it's an hour of me is probably enough, let's be honest. But if you are in the mood for some more, just go on YouTube and, and search, uh, search Dave Lee, L-E-E, Dave Lee on investing. That's the channel. You'll find the channel and then you should find my video pretty easily because he posted it about a, a week or week and a half ago, something like that. It's it's going to be one of his his uh, newer videos. You, I mean, you'll see my face on the thumbnail. So, Although I guess I you don't necessarily know what I look like. If you don't follow me on Twitter and you don't watch IGN, anyway, you'll find it. <laughs> you're you're, you're a, a tech-savvy adult. You will find it, no problem. So I want to say thank you to Dave for inviting me on. I had a, I genuinely had a fantastic time in that conversation. All right, we're getting towards the end here. The pro tip of the week this week is from Wes in South Carolina. Hi, this is Wes from South Carolina. I've got a tip for some of your listeners that may appreciate it. Uh, I was looking for some German music the other day, and I needed to type some characters that are not in our English alphabet, and I realized that on the Tesla on-screen keyboard, if you hold down letters like the letter O for a long press, it'll pop up just like on your iPad keyboard. It'll pop up and give you the other options for that letter. In my case, it was an O umlaut. So it works for other languages as well, all the other odd characters. Okay, that's it. Take care. Thanks for the show. That is definitely a handy one to know, Wes. Thank you very much. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, something about the car that's of use, that's of interest, that's not obvious, that you'd like to share with your fellow owners and enthusiasts, I invite you to send it in. You can do so the same way. Either of those two methods that I gave you earlier to submit a regular hotline call. All right, time for the mentions, the plugs of the friends of the show here. I want to start with the snap plate. I think I accidentally forgot them last week, so to the Every Amp crew, I sincerely apologize. But you can get your snap plate for any of the four Teslas from everyamp.com RTL. These are the front license plate brackets that are paint safe, grill safe, radiator safe, autopilot safe. They snap on and off, but they go on, stay on securely. Nice, clean, minimalist design. Simply put, the 
uh, front license plate for people like me that really don't like to have to do a front license plate, but sometimes you need to do it depending where you live or if you're going to a parking meter and you don't want to get a ticket or, you know, whatever the case may be, everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com, one of uh, possibly the longest running affiliates of this podcast, big time friends of Ride the Lightning. Uh, They have some big news. Unfortunately, it's not the good kind. Thankfully, the business is fine, but Tesla has come calling for them and a number of the other third-party aftermarket accessory makers. And basically, uh, there was a blog post on abstractocean.com about this, but they are no longer going to be able to sell anything with Tesla logos. You know, they've had the the puddle lights, which have been one of their hugely popular ones. Those are awesome, gorgeous. You get the T logo shining down from your open door down onto the ground. You could do the S, you know, the S, the three X, the, the, the model, the model three, you know, triple horizontal line logo. They've, they've, uh, they've got some neat stuff. Now they have plenty of great accessories that aren't Tesla logo stuff that they're going to be able to continue to sell. But uh, I just want to read straight from the blog here. This new legal action by Tesla. They've been, you know, they've, they've let everybody know, Hey, we're not going to, we're not going to allow this anymore. And so abstract ocean saying, this means we now have some killer deals on products that will vanish from the site on midnight of March 26th. There's a list of them on the site, but some say some items are limited stock and when they're gone, they're literally gone. Uh, so the, you know, basically anything, the emblems, badges, that kind of stuff, but they've got all kinds of things. So what I would encourage is whether or not you're looking for, you know, you want to grab one of those before they're gone. The, the puddle lights are probably the coolest thing in my humble opinion that are going to be lost now because Tesla's not selling their own version of that. So whether you want to do puddle lights, you know, the, the, uh, uh, T-E-S-L-A, you know, roadster style letters for the back of your car, Whatever you want to do, abstractocean.com. And remember, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word, RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. But that's, again, first order. So you got to do all your shopping at once. Don't, don't you know, make like an order this week, an order next week. Try to get everything going, and then you get that nice 15% discount courtesy of abstractocean.com. Meanwhile... Also offering a discount for listeners of this podcast is Immaculate Reflections, an absolutely wonderful detailing outfit here in the San Francisco Bay Area. The uh, services include ceramic coating, which is like a three to five year wax. You know, instead of having to do it twice a year, you ceramic coat once every three to five years. And the water just beads off of your car. I should know my car just got big time rained on on that trip, on that uh, little trip to Central California that I had to take. And the car, uh, <laughs> at least the, the water not only beat it off, but at least the rain washed off a bunch of the bug goo that got on the front of it, which was nice. And ceramic coating helps with all that. Helps with bug goo too. Anyway, whether you're doing ceramic coating, paint protection film, paint correction, etc., look them up, irdetailing.com, and just mention if you reach out, to Jeff there at irdetailing.com 
and you maybe want to book in with him, bring your car in, mention, hey, I'm a Ride the Lightning listener, and Ryan said there'd be a discount, and Jeff will hook you up with said discount. Meanwhile, puretesla.com slash RTL, quick one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. Grab either the $49 kit, which is 128, uh, 128 gigabyte micro SD based solution for the dash cam and sentry mode. That's what I'm running in my car. Or if you want to really go big, there is a $69 option. That's 256 gigs of storage. It comes fully formatted and ready to go. And it's plug and play straight out of the package right into your car. Works with Mac or PC. They'll ship anywhere worldwide, but it's free shipping anywhere in the United States. So puretesla.com slash RTL there. And then Jada, these guys are on fire. They have a new, another new product. You know, they just had the new SSD drive. Now they've got the Jada tray. So this, you don't need to have any of Jada's other products, unlike the SSD drive. The Jada Tray is a tech-focused center console organizer with some first-of-its-kind features. It is designed, obviously, custom for Teslas. The Tesla center console tray comes in two sizes, depending which, uh, which center console you have in your 3 or your Y. And it's got integrated charging for wireless headphone devices like your Apple AirPods or your Pixel Buds. So, and it's a nice way, you know, to keep everything organized in there and charge some of that stuff up. So very cool. You can use the coupon code RTL to get a nice discount off of that. They, of course, are still selling the wireless charging pad for the legacy Model 3s, i.e. the ones with the original center console, which is, at this point, still most of us. That's, I think, the number one accessory I would recommend if your Tesla doesn't already have a, a, a wireless charging pad in it. So you can get that. And then they have the USB hub that also can go with the SSD drive that mates right perfectly custom to that as well. So you can take a look at all of it. Use that coupon code. Just please use my referral link. This is the key part because full transparency, they'll uh, throw me a couple bucks from the sale if you order using this link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. And Jada is spelled J-E-D-A. Finally, my Patreon, that is the chief way through which you can support this podcast if you so choose. It is and will always be voluntary. Nothing is locked behind a paywall. The podcast comes out for you for free every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. However, I do put a lot of work into this, a lot of heart and soul, research, etc. So if at some point today, tomorrow, next month, whatever, you see fit that maybe maybe you can uh, you can support me on Patreon, it, that would be sincerely appreciated. You can find all the information for that on my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Uh, the support tier start at just five bucks a month. What is that? Like probably a cup of coffee at Starbucks or something. Five bucks a month. And in return, you won't just be supporting me. I'll give you something for that. And you will get early access to each week's show. And the the, the tiers go up from there and the perks and they all stack. So the higher you go, the more stuff you get. But anyway, that is the Patreon if you are able and willing to do that at some point. 
that'll about wrap it up. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out for any reason. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at the same handle, DMC underscore Ryan. And uh, I think that will about do it other than saying hello to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tier Patreon backers. First in the Roadster in Space crew orbiting the Patreon with their awesomeness, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, my friend on Twitter, at Rodam, Fernando Cordero, and Lawton from Chicago. Meanwhile, in the Maximum Plaid group, the newest Maximum Plaid backer, uh, two of them actually, Michael Williams and MT. Thank you both so much for your generosity there. And the rest of the Maximum Plaid crew, which is Jonathan Wales, Sean Neidig, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, John Schmidt, Stan Roth, Howard Anthony Smith, Jackson Wallace, Charles Galpin, Neil Weaver, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, and the aforementioned Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley. I promise I wasn't just being nice to them earlier because they're uh, a maximum platier backer of the podcast. I was genuinely pleasantly surprised when I arrived at those superchargers and saw the nice clean trash can, not overflowing, it had been maintained, and it had the club logo on there. Love that. Hope uh, I hope I'm sure there are a lot of clubs around the country that are doing that, which is a wonderful thing to do for the Tesla community. And finally, last and absolutely not least, the Plaid level crew, which is George Cassiopo, David Brander, uh, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Jeremy, Tesla owners of Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Ron Lee, John Cody, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, Noel and Lucy Murphy, The Tesla Owners Club of the East Bay, Scott Gillis, Paul Casarino, Ryan Natchett, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, and Travis Krenzel. Thank you all very much, everybody that I just uh, listed, for your very kind and generous Patreon support. It makes a significant difference in the lives of me and my family. I really do thank you. All right. I think that's enough of me for one week, isn't it? For a very much snoozing Daisy the Boxer puppy, although... At least she stopped snoring. I don't know if any of that came through. She was straight up snoring pretty loudly for about half the show. So if there was an extra strange sound in the background of this week's, of a bunch of this week's show, now you know what it is. Uh, Anyway, happy electric motoring to all of you, and I will see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla 
is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.